0: Hey, friends, welcome to another episode of RC Engineering Radio. I'm Steve Hicks, your host today. Uh, I am hanging out with a couple people. We've got another RFC episode request for comment. I think it's number three. John, do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Hello, friends. My name is John. I'm an engineer on the Grow team. And I would like uh, Anna to introduce herself next.
2: (laughs) Hey, guys. um, I'm Anna. I'm an engineer on the Partner Experience team. It's great to be here.
0: Cool. So we're just hanging out. Um, We maybe have some things we're going to talk about. Um first thing I want to start with is what are you both working on right now? Anna, why don't you go first?
2: Yeah, sure. I'm happy to start. Uh so I am on, as I said, the Partner Experience team, actually with Steve now, who just joined that's our true. team. Uh, and I think we've shared this before, but just as a refresher, Partner Experience builds and manages the software products that touch any of our partners, whether that's gallery partners, auction house partners. Um, and we. the bulk of what we work on is the CMS that is used by our gallery partners to manage their presence on Artsy. Uh, so what we're actually working on right now is we just kicked off a pretty big project that uh, has a lot of kind of excitement around the company. We're integrating a shipping platform into uh, the service. So when partners, our galley partners, list works on the site, they'll be able to opt in works into this shipping service. And then when collectors uh, want to buy a work, they can uh, get the work shipped to them easily. Uh, it seems like something that you know Amazon exists like why do you need sort of the special service but with art it's definitely sort of a in so many ways a unique good which is why artsy exists but in in handling and um, installation and packaging art really is a unique unique item so it requires a lot of special services so that's why we're going with um, this this provider to to help us do this and it's been a really cool project to sort of get this really sort of both zoomed in and zoomed out perspective on. So the product decisions that our, our product manager is working on with all of our executives and uh, so all of those kind of higher level decisions, but then also working closely with one of our uh, coworkers on the PX team who's uh, leading the technical plan and technical implementation of the project. So how those kinds of like really big high level decisions uh, sort of uh laddered down into the technical implementation decisions so that's been super interesting and exciting and it's also fun to be sort of at the very beginning of a big project like this so that's definitely been uh top of mind for us yeah
1: there's like something magical about being there for the beginning of a project or beginning of like kind of a effort that you see is taking a while so i think that one of the technical things y'all are working on is like how to integrate with an api so we have this external api that we're going to hit we're going to Parse responses, we're gonna have to have exception handling and all that kind of stuff. Is that kind of your first foray into that kind of wrapping of an of an API? Uh
2: definitely in a professional context. Uh some context I I am relatively new to programming. So I've been an engineer in like a full-time role in for, you know, less than a year. So uh yeah, definitely in a professional context, I've done it a little bit in like side projects and things like that. But, but it's been, that's been really, really interesting. There's like a couple of things that come to mind that I've learned a lot about is how we uh, like map their, the way that their data comes back to fit into our system. And that sort of was a big area of decision that we were still kind of actually working through. Uh, And also how we handle sort of their uh, like reliability and error handling and making sure that even if their service is having issues, we're able to handle that in like a graceful way that's good for us- the user experience. Uh, so so yeah, it's definitely, I'm, I've been learning a lot from this.
0: Right, we definitely don't want to delay a purchase because <laughs> we can't connect to the shipping provider. That kind of sucks as a person who really wants to buy some art.
2: Totally. We actually did a really, uh, fun exercise as an engineers, We've actually had a lot of, uh, input on the, on the product decisions for this project, which has been really cool, but we did an exercise sort of just as like a brainstorm, like putting out as many post-its as we could about different things that we want the service to be able to, uh, allow for both our users and our partners. Uh, and just was like a kind of a big dump of all of our ideas and that kind of, a lot of that turned into like thinking about worst case scenarios like if this happens like how do we handle this if this happens how do we handle this uh so that was pretty fun exercise of like thinking about all the worst case scenarios and then like how are we going to handle them
0: um that kind of care the 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 care that went into preparing for all of those different Scenarios and cases like definitely shows in the tech plan that we have to work from like it is an absolutely epic te- tech plan that covers a lot of different stuff, which is really cool. I know that a lot of t- effort went into that Steve,
1: what is a tech plan
0: So a tech plan at artsy is like a it's our design documents effectively. Technical design document that uh, there was f- for a while. We were calling them Miardo documents because each oh, right. one of those letters stood for a different section that you were going to cover. Uh, but at this point, I think we have a pretty good pattern for how we do them. We usually share them. Uh, obviously, with this tech plan, a lot of time went into creating it, and then um, with a lot of the bigger ones, we share them across the team and try to get uh, just get eyes from other teams and other engineers who might have context about different things on the work that we're planning on taking on. One of the things that we did this morning actually was um, talk a little bit. uh, Before we recorded, I was in a meeting with Anna. We were in a knowledge share and we spent a good amount of time, maybe 15, 10, 15 minutes talking about addition sets as Mm -hmm. a concept, which are like apparently this thing that, uh, that we, they're really important for us to consider that someone might want to be purchasing um, an edition from an edition set. Uh, But they're also a thing that is like, we kind of forget about it a little bit sometimes. So one of the things I enjoyed about that conversation was like, um, it was, I felt like I was asking a stupid question. What is an edition set? But as we dug into it more and more. um,
1: Not stupid.
0: (laughs) Incredibly complicated question. Right. And it was hard for any one person to explain it.
2: And you really see in that conversation, the intersection of industry, like business and tech, because we're having to understand actually a concept, like an art world concept, and how that understanding or a lack of understanding affects the technical decisions that we're making so that was really cool for me too especially coming from more of the art side of of things before joining the engineering team uh and that's like why i want to be here is because i love talking about technical decisions about exactly about about that's really specific to our industry uh and building building yeah data models like on top of the whole art world uh so that's definitely what was always like really interesting to me and steve you you have worked with uh an external service
0: mm-hmm.
2: not too not to in the distant past uh what was that experience like
0: um well i will first of all say that i don't know that the tech plan was nearly as thorough <laughs> as the one is that you're working with Uh, and that's because I wrote it
1: (laughs) to be Uh, fair you inherited something they're kind of starting from scratch you were inheriting some already in progress
0: yeah that's fair Um, I think my experience with it was a lot about uh, well to to just give a step back and give a better description of what it was was um, one of the things that you can find on artsy's um, artsy's app or our website is auction results so you can see uh, whether, um, you know, works have been going for a specific price recently for an, for an artwork that you're holding on to, like similar artworks or a, a similar artist. Uh, and we work with a third party to kind of um, get that information up on our site. And uh, what we had found was we we had an integration with them that just was had so much friction in it that we just weren't running it. Like that's how that's how much pain was involved in running the import was it just sat and we didn't actually run it, uh, which was you know kind of sucked because we had months and months of auction data backing up. Uh, so my project was basically let's remove a lot of that friction and the and the pain points and um, make it something that runs more on an automated basis and we don't really need to worry about uh, an engineer going and like touching. Three or four different places during an import from that source, so um, it was an interesting project.
1: yeah, for sure. I happened to be the tech lead on that um, team when when you were digging in and discovering and documenting everything, and one of the things I think was really beneficial is that you did a pass where you just like again documented, audited everything. Where mm-hmm. are the places where a human has to run a command, and like let's try to even with just a whiteboard like visualize that and then start picking them off one by one and trying to figure out how to automate things
0: i think literally it was with a whiteboard um that's that's how uh that's how i approach it once i i initially i just realized i didn't fully understand why it was so painful um but then yeah going through and trying to just draw all the places on a whiteboard was it was really helpful but in general that's a really helpful way for me to approach a problem is I feel like I kind of need to experience the pain before I know how to make it better. Otherwise, I'm just guessing and I'm throwing darts. So uh, I, don't, I don't know. I think a lot of times that's... I actually, I almost prefer to experience it, to, to live that a few times just to get a taste of it before I start trying to make changes to something.
2: How do you think that helps you uh, be able to better solve self- a problem just by being able to empathize with the people it's affecting or is there actually like more like tactical or technical knowledge that you're picking up from that pain
0: (laughs) that's a fun question i haven't thought about that um but i think there's a couple things that play into it for starters i think it helps me set my course better uh so you know if i'm looking at a problem that i don't really know where i need to get with it if I'm able to do a better job of figuring out what i want the the end position to look like um that helps me figure out uh break helps me figure out what are the steps I can take to get to that point and then I think the second aspect of it is it allows me to uh if I can see what the pain points are and and figure out the specific points of friction that helps me break the problem down into smaller pieces like maybe I can say. You know, we go from this point to this point and there's really nothing wrong. Uh, when we get to the second point, that's really difficult. And so that can be a little sub problem within the the larger problem that I might tackle. Super cool. So yeah, totally. Definitely there's a <laughs> lot more like tactical benefit from
2: doing that, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, for sure. I want to try to bring it back to a topic that I'm interested in, which is like refactoring. So there's this thing you can Google it, rule of three, where it's like, when you do a thing and code a third time, you probably have enough information now to refactor, to pull out an abstraction, whatever, like there's, there's like an, an, an increase in your confidence. And I think that's kind of in play here too. Like if you experience the manual thing, if you Experience the pain. You have like more data to inform your code design, to inform your solutions, to find those seams of incremental improvement, so that you know you can ship things, you can have things land on master, where you're not like um, you know big bang. Like you either rewrote the whole thing or you didn't. You can find more seams. Um, does that does that? I'm I'm seeing you nod, Steve.
0: Yes, I'm definitely nodding. That resonates for sure. Uh, it, the idea of premature abstraction. And thinking that you know enough about a problem the first time you hit it to just come up with an abstraction that solves everything that you'll ever need is a really easy trap t- to fall into as an engineer. Yeah, I think the things that we're describing are two different ways that it might make it easier for us to experience more of the problem before we try to come up with the abstraction. John, yep. what are you working on?
1: what am I working on? I'm working. So I work on the grow team. Um, and I did a good job of explaining what the partner experience team is all about. So I'll try to do the same for the grow team. (laughs) We're at the top of the funnel. So grow as in the sense of like new users. So we care about things like SEO, um, the like literal signup, um, flow on rt.net onboarding, um, some of those things. Um, We also work really closely with the marketing team. And so we had an email service provider that we've been working with. We are migrating to a different email service provider. And so there'll be overlap where we have two email service providers and we have our um, like our main API database of like user information. What I've been working on is getting these three systems in sync. So if you sign up on rt.net, I need to create a user on both email service providers. If you opt out of email, I need to like sync that state through all of these service providers. It is, oh my God, so much. And I had no <laughs> idea. Like I thought this was, I was like super naive going into this. I wish I had written a tech plan. Um, I've mostly been winging it because you kind of have to like get into it and like see what you're doing before you understand the full ramifications of all these syncings. Um, So that's what I'm working on. But what you asked me about before the call, Steve, was like, what am I excited about? And what I'm excited about is once this migration is over, we will go from two email service providers to one, and we will remove the need for our main API database to know this field called email frequency. Email frequency is a string that can either be none, daily, or weekly. And those correspond to are we sending you any marketing email? can we send you email every day, or can we only send you email um, once a week? Anyway, so Gravity, our main API database, has to know this information for reasons. And we are going to eliminate those reasons um, <laughs> as we migrate to this, this new email service provider. And when that occurs, I get to delete that field, clean up a bunch of code, and I like cannot wait to, to simplify <laughs> the system and, and take this step. That's what I'm working on.
2: So satisfying. So satisfying.
0: Yeah. So I have a little bit of a question about digging into a little bit more about what you are excited about. Is it that you are excited about like literally just removing the code and getting rid of it? Or is there is that also a, a situation where you're making your life easier? You're making other people's lives easier because now there's less stuff to maintain.
1: Yeah, I mean, syncing is a notoriously tricky problem. So so there's there's the aspect of like reducing complexity in our overall system architecture. And so they'll be satisfying to know that there's a single source of truth about this idea of are you getting e- um, marketing emails or aren't you? That'll be the email service provider instead of there being like three systems in play. But also like um, the mental overhead of trying to like keep it all in your head and know what's what um i think means that you're like as an engineer you know maybe you're going to join the grow team and you're going to get a ticket on your desk that concerns this it's like i don't want it to be um overwhelming i you know i want it to be like easy to change cheap to change and having a single source of truth is a good way to start that
2: mm-hmm.
0: that uh that definitely feels similar to uh- how I felt about the API integration project that I was just talking about earlier, that so much of the joy in that project for me was making it easier for engineers to actually run this thing or to not even do anything to run it just to, um, you know, add a little bit more joy to their day. Maybe not necessarily add joy, but like remove the challenges from their day. For sure.
2: I think that sort of brings up an interesting question of using just external services in general, whether it's like things that we might use to integrate more, like to sort of make our software development process more efficient or something like that. Uh, But I often have noticed that like developers are like against, like can be very resistant to using things that have been built by other people. And I have found that to be true at Artsy. Like there's a lot of things that we have built in-house. I'm just like, there's literally companies that do this. Like, why, do, mm-hmm. why did we build this? Uh, how do you think we think about that here? And maybe if it's evolved at all, since you guys have been around.
1: Big topic. We could spend the rest of the time in another episode <laughs> talking about it. I mean, generally speaking, I feel like R C sells cells are online. And so when, when the things we're building support that directly, it's pretty clear to me that we should build them. It's when you get into the gray area of, I want to send a marketing survey. Well, should engineers spend time um, tinkering with that? Like, is there a way we can pay someone to do it? And it's a little bit of like, uh, what's your threshold for <laughs> integration is? What your appetite is for adding another SDK to the site? like. <sighs> It's it's definitely not a one answer for everything. But I think, the, I think trying to keep the user, the collector in the um, gallery in mind when you're making these choices is a good north star. Of like, are we are like, are we focused on providing them value? That might be a good thing to build. If it's kind of like at the edges, you could probably just pay for it.
2: But there's still a lot of things that would be providing value to the collector, that exists, and uh, like payment processing is a bad example because I don't think anyone ever wanted to or wants to get into payment <laughs> I don't want to store credit
1: cards. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but we obviously use an external service for that, and that's like really critical to supporting our like mission of being a place to buy art. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm not. I, I I don't know. I think there's like maybe limitations to what w- we should and shouldn't build like i guess i would kind of push back on the idea that anything that is providing value to our to our collectors we we can't we should be building in house versus we can't find an external provider to provide support
1: on i think the vector you're bringing up there is risk so there's too much risk in us building a payment processing service
0: there's there's also a cost to integrating with someone like it's not it's not free to integrate with an existing service. And I think that factors into maybe like the engineer mindset of it that, you know, maybe comparing these two things side by side, I've had to deal with integrations in the past and they're really, really challenging They can be really challenging. Like that kind of makes me want to sometimes build things on my own a little more because I have more control over them. I have more, uh, I have, I have a way of thinking about the problem And I don't have to worry about matching the way that I'm thinking about the problem with the way that this other service is thinking about the problem. Um, Anna, what gets you excited?
2: Uh, What I'm excited about most right now at work is honestly just learning a lot and just being like consistently humbled (laughs) by how much I don't know or making mistakes or, um, you know, realizing that there's like this whole, either it's a technical concept or part of our, uh, part of our systems that I have like zero knowledge about and then need to dive in and learn about it. And it's been actually really cool to start onboarding some new people to the team. So we, we've been hiring a bunch at Artsy and there's probably like eight engineers that are start have started in the last like few weeks and uh also having Steve join PX recently it's been I've had a moment to be like oh wait like there are some things that I have learned in the last few months since joining the team and that's been feeling really good um so balancing like both so many moments where I'm just like you know learning a new thing but also taking a moment to be like I actually have learned a lot so far
1: it is such so a good feeling the, the like yeah. thrill of sharing something <laughs> you've learned I love it
2: totally because I also it's really like close it's been so like close for me when I had these exact same questions and problems like literally within weeks and now we're have we have a new engineer rotating through our team and I was like oh I know how to solve this <laughs> and that yeah that feels really good
1: In fact, you might be in the best position to explain it because the people who, quote unquote, know it so well, like how long has it been since they learned it? Like they're not in the best position to teach it. You are
2: totally. It has felt really intuitive to be like, wait, we should probably describe like what this seemingly either like basic or fundamental thing that we might take for granted is uh, because, yeah, I definitely had to ask those questions, too. Uh, John, what are you most excited about right now?
1: Well other than deleting code um I am I'm excited about um we have some SEO uh, opportunities um specifically we've identified performance as being something that we can really uh well let me just say it this way core web of vitals if you don't know what it is look it up it's a new way google <laughs> is assessing sites um we don't have the best scores on this front i have recently discovered this and there's like a lot of room for improvement a lot of stuff again like you were saying for me to learn there are parts of the stack that i have not really given full attention to that i think this performance topic will cause me to learn more about so i guess in a way it's like kind of like there's a lot of opportunity it's kind of like a big problem um but yeah improving the performance of rt.net so that we can pass these core web vital tests is exciting to me.
2: That's a cool one because obviously SEO is a super important and a huge win, but that also feels like it's going to provide a lot of value to users.
1: Right. I mean, the reason why Google is highlighting this as being important to SEO is because they're, they're ultimately trying to serve search results for that users go to the site and have a good experience. So, so there's like a virtuous cycle here that if you do the right thing for users, you're also going to be improving your search rank theoretically.
2: Interesting, Steve. What about you? Uh, uh
0: what am I excited about? Uh, so, I think i talked a little bit about this a couple episodes ago with Anton, but I think the aspect of development that's m- most exciting to me, in general, is l- like um, helping people and uh, sharing knowledge and filling in spots where somebody's needed to do a thing um like kind of being the glue person or like the the wood filler or whatever um i guess more specifically one of the things that i'm really excited about at artsy is um there's a project that we that a few of us have been chipping away at for a very very long time a little bit at a time that is intended to be just like a collection of hands-on exercises for learning mm. relay which is um, relay is a tool that we use it's like a graphql client in our um, our front-end code that allows us to simplify and um, make more efficient how we're querying our graphql backend. but it's really really complex and the docs are probably not um the most beginner friendly thing
2: i've read sparse and sparse sparse (laughs) (laughs) yeah some gaps
0: and they've they've made some changes they've uh with their most recent release have added a whole bunch of stuff that is definitely helpful but we're actually not using the latest version of relay um Hmm. for uh for reasons (laughs) So one of the things that we have been trying to do is just make it easier for engineers to understand and and pick up this tool that is pretty critical in all of our front end development like pretty much every page every feature you're working on that is on our whether it's our our web app or our mobile apps like you're interacting with with relay and so you have to definitely understand some of the concepts and of, some of the tooling and it's a lot of it's cryptic Um, so this, uh, there's this collection of tutorials that we've been working through that, um, we don't get very far, very fast, but it's like just a little bit at a time. And, um, maybe a few weeks ago, uh, we just kind of opened it up to, to people and said, Hey, this is here. If you want to try to poke at some of these exercises and see if they're helpful and, um, feedback so far has been good on them. It's definitely something that I want to keep poking away at and, and expanding.
2: I was going to actually say that that was something that I was super excited about because I came in knowing nothing about Relay and also like knowing no GraphQL, which is kind of important to understand if you're going to even try to learn Relay. So that was probably like the big first new technology that I learned at Artsy and spent was it actually I think I got really lucky because a lot of the work I was doing was all in Relay so I kind of had to like dive head first. and it's been it was really cool to join that meeting to, for the Relay learning group and be able to surface like oh like this was hard for me to learn this was like a part that wasn't intuitive or this was a part where I felt like the docs didn't quite make sense to me um and yeah that was like definitely something that, that jumped out for me as a moment of like oh yeah I like actually like know how to do this thing that I did not know how to do nice. four months ago, three months ago. Uh, so yeah, it felt really good. And I, I love, I just love the initiative, Steve. I think it's really cool that that you're leading it. Cool.
0: Thanks. Um, I, I definitely feel like you've come very far very quickly with your understanding of relay, uh, because I feel like it has taken me this long. I've been at artsy for two and a half years now. It's, cool. it took me like the first year and a half, to really start to feel comfortable even knowing what was going on with it, uh, which maybe speaks a little bit to what John was saying earlier about people who just learned something being the best at explaining it. Um, so it's, it's nice to have company who, who feels like they've just gotten over that hump too. And, and I think that, that that will make for a really good learning experience. Better docs. Yeah. I think we're out of time. I'm just going to say thank you for hanging out with me. Thanks.
2: Yeah, this was super
0: fun. Always fun to talk to you guys. All right. See you later, friends. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at artsyopensource. Keep up with the Artsy Engineering blog at artsy.github.io. Thank you, Eve Essex, for our theme music. You can find her on all major streaming platforms. Until next time, this is RT Engineering Radio.